Y'all feeling all right? Hey, I am so honored to be here. I'm excited to be here, um, uh, here in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, I thought my first trip to Canton, Ohio would be me um, getting uh, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? But that didn't quite happen. But I'm still glad to be here, right? Still glad to be here with you today. Um, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you indulge me for a moment? Can you stand up and uh, bow your heads, close your eyes? And I, I want you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer, okay? We're going to say together the Lord's Prayer, okay? Let's say it. Our Father, let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen amen you may be seated by the way those words we just said together uh, th those words we just recited together are oftentimes recited nonchalantly, right? Those words we just said together oftentimes are, are said casually. Those words we just said together are oftentimes said uh, lackadaisically. Uh, but, but the very words we, we just rendered often said um, haphazardly and, 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 and casually. However, these are not uh, casual words, right? Uh, th these are words that were knit together. Uh, th these, are, these aren't words that were knit together by man, right? Th these aren't words that were, were knit together um, kind of like, um, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? These aren't words that were knit together by man like, um, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States uh, of America, right? Uh, these words that we just recited um, are special. Th these are the very words, these are the very prayers that, that Jesus gave to the church, not just to recite uh, out of our mouths, but to resound in our hearts, to, to resound um, in, in, in our lives. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' prayer, Jesus' hope, Jesus' uh, desire, Jesus' plan, Jesus' purpose for the, the, the big C church and the little C church as well is simple. As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. So the question becomes, how is it in heaven, right? That's the question. How is it in heaven? Let's, let's look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. We're about to do this, okay? Revelation. Chapter 7, verse 9. Here's what it says. And there, there is in heaven, was a vast multitude, like as far as the eye could see, right? This, this vast multitude from every nation. It doesn't say some nations, right? 
doesn't say most nations. It doesn't say a few nations. It says from every nation, and in case you don't understand that, it goes on, every tribe, every people, and every language with which no one could number. That's what it says. I'm going to read it one more time. Uh, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, which no one could number. My job today uh, potentially is to answer the question, what does it look like for the local church to live out Revelation 7-9? What does it look like for the, um, the local church to, to live out uh, Revelation 7-9? What does it look like for on earth as it is in heaven? And in order to do so, in order for us to understand this, I want to look at John chapter 4. That's where I want to spend my time uh, in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 4. John uh, chapter 4 happens to be uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible, okay? Uh, One of the reasons we we planted the well, uh, one of the reasons we called our church the well is because of John chapter 4. Uh, In John chapter 4, Jesus is trying to show his disciples and potentially uh, us what he desires for the church to look like. Uh, he's, he's trying to help us understand what he desires for the church to look like. Jesus, along with his uh, disciples, set out on this journey, right? Jesus and his disciples set out on this journey. They're, they're, leaving Galilee, they're leaving Judea, which is in southern Israel, okay? And they're headed to Galilee, which is in northern Israel, okay? Um, and so they didn't have GPS back then, right? They didn't have Siri back then, right, like we do. They didn't have Alexa or whatever it may be uh, back then. And so they had to figure out what their route was going to be. And so Jesus uh, and his disciples had two options on this route, okay? They had, they had two options. One option was they could take the orthodox way. They could take the uh, traditional way. They could uh, take the, um, the, the status quo way, if you will which was to go literally to, okay, they're, they're down here uh, in southern Israel. What they could have done is they caught, could have gone east and crossed over into the mountains and then gone north into Perea and then west into Galilee. That would have taken about three to four days. That's what they could have done. That's, that's option number one, would have taken three to four days. Or uh, uh, they could have gone the non-traditional way, the, the, the non-orthodox or unorthodox way. They could have gone the, the, uh, the, the, the way that's against status quo. And that would have been to just beeline from Judea uh, through Samaria to Galilee, which would have been two days tops, which completely makes sense, right? It, 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 uh, just a, a, a beeline through Samaria in, in, into um, Galilee. It, it made sense geographically, but it didn't make sense traditionally right? Didn't make sense traditionally. Why? Because the problem was Jews didn't like Samaritans. Jews uh, didn't get along with Samaritans. In fact, they, 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 they disliked each other. For an Orthodox Jew to travel f- through Samaria uh, would have been against status quo. It would have been against uh, tradition. It would have been against orthodoxy. Why? Again, because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They, they, they hated each other so much that Jews referred to Samaritans as dogs. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, if I see Corey on the street, I'm going to be like, what's up, Corey? You're my dog. 
right? Right, you my dog, I love you, man, yeah, you my dog, bro. But, but listen, back then, it was not a lovely statement. It wasn't a, a statement of love or kindness, right? Uh, they, were, they, they didn't like each other. Yet, uh, John chapter 4, verse 4 says this. If you have your Bibles, it says, Jesus, he had to travel through Samaria. What's the key word there? You're with me. Key word is, he had to travel through Samaria. Why did Jesus have to travel through Samaria is our question today. Let me tell you what the answer is. Jesus had to travel through Samaria in order to break status quo. Jesus had to travel through Samaria in order to break tradition. Jesus had to travel through uh, Samaria in order to to, to change uh, and to break status quo. And so here's my, my, my question, my statement for you. If, if we want our local churches to live out this, this Revelation 7-9, if we want our local churches to live out this concept of, of um, on earth as it is in heaven, if we want our local churches to be uh, absurd, if you will, right, um, uh, the local church must be willing to break out of status quo. The local church must be willing to break tradition. My question for you today is, uh, what is status quo in your church? What is status quo in your church? Maybe for you it's, 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 it's the music. Maybe the music in, in, in your church is, is status quo. If, if, if all the songs in your church are Hillsong or, or, or Bethel music, then most likely... Uh, you are not living on earth as it is, uh, living out on earth as it is in heaven, right? If you think that Michael W. Smith is the only music we're going to listen to in heaven, if you think Chris Tomlin is the only music we're going to uh, listen to uh, in heaven, if you think uh, there's going to be a CCM section and a, a, a gospel section and a, a traditional section and, and a contemporary section, if you think that English is the only language that we're going to be speaking in, 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 in heaven, then, then you're, not, you're not understanding on earth as it is in heaven. If you think that, um, uh, that, that, um, that, that there's going to be all these different sections and some people are going to be singing in English and, uh, or, or, or there's going to be an English section, then no, no, we're, we're gonna, the Bible says we're going to be crying out to God together. Y'all not rocking with me today, but that's okay. Maybe for you, your status quo is not music style in your church. Maybe in your church, uh, the status quo thing is, is ministry style. Maybe for some of you, um, uh, you need to throw away the homogenous unit principle and try something completely different. And that's quiet in here, so let me define what the homogenous unit principle is. The, the homogenous unit principle is this idea uh, uh, that, 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 that um, large churches have, have used and, 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 and come around. It's this idea that if you want to plant and start a successful church, you need to, to focus on a specific demographic, right? Like white people between the ages of 25 to 45 or black people between the ages of 25 to, to 45. It's focus on this specific demographic, and if you do that, then your church will grow and, and, and it'll do all these things. But, but the reality is, it works. 
In many situations, it works. A lot of the, the mega churches, uh, even in this city or, or throughout this world, have, have built their churches on this idea of the homogenous model, but it doesn't produce on earth as it is in heaven. It produces status quo, right? In the first century, temple uh, planters would, would go into a city and uh, they would figure out where the Jewish area was and they'd plant a Jewish temple in that area. Uh, or they would go and find out where the, the Gentiles were and they would start a church in the Gentile area for the Gentiles. But, but Paul was, was, was a great church planter. He went into a city, figured out where the Jews were, figured out where the Gentiles were, and he planted a church right in the middle and invited both of them to come. Maybe for your church, it's not music style. Maybe for your church, it's not ministry style. Maybe for your church, it's location. Maybe you're thinking, well, my, my, my church is in a white neighborhood, and, and so, but, but, we, but we value diversity, but, uh, but my church is in a white neighborhood, so we just have to do what we have. Well, well maybe your church needs to move locations. Or maybe you're at a church that is, is, is predominantly white or predominantly black and you feel this call to, 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 to uh, diversity, kingdom diversity, but your church is not that. Maybe you need to find a new church. Maybe your issue isn't uh, music. Maybe your issue isn't, um, isn't in ministry style. Maybe your issue isn't location. Maybe your issue is mission statement. Maybe that's what's status quo in, in, in your church, right? I was, I was consulting this church once, and um, uh, they, they invited me to this staff meeting, and they had just, um, they just got the, the results back from this survey uh, that they, they, they sent out to everyone in their church. <clears throat> and the survey revealed, one of the questions was, do you believe that this church is a culturally, or that val a church that values cultural diversity? And 99% of the people in the church said, no, this church does not value cultural diversity. And the pastor was livid. He was angry. Like, he was mad. Like, how could they say that? And so I happened to be in the room and he says, Trey, can you, exp do, do you think that we value cultural diversity? I said, no, I don't think you value. I know that you don't value it. <clears throat> And he was angry with me, right? He was mad. And he's like, why would you say that? And I said, let me give you two things. And I was so glad because were, these were so good. I said, look, ar look around this room, okay? Do me a favor, sir. Look around this room. I know you, I know you don't see color, but look around this room, right? <laughs> Everyone in this room besides me is white, <laughs> okay? Therefore, you don't value cultural diversity as much as you think you do, my friend. Secondly, look at the mission statement on the screen. Look at your values on the marker board. I do not, I see um, uh, making disciples, I see um, authenticity, but I don't see cultural diversity. Therefore, it is fair to say, Mr. Pastor, that you do not value cultural diversity because it's not one of your values, right? I say all that to say, um, uh, what's the point? It, it, it's, it's okay to break status quo. It's okay to uh, break unhealthy traditions. It's okay to uh, take a different route. Why? Because Jesus took a different route. Let's look at our text. Verse 5 says this. Y'all rocking with me today? Y'all with me today? Verse 5 says this, he, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, 
near the property that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. Now, question for you. Why in the world does John focus on the fact that this is Jacob's well, right? Why, why does he feel the need to, to mention the fact that this is, this is Jacob's well? He could have easily just said, you know, I can't, there, there, there was this well here. And, and well, let me tell you, the reason he focuses on the fact that it was Jacob's well is because Jacob is important. Jacob was loved by not just Jews, but also uh, Samaritans. Jacob was loved by not just Jews, but, 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 but also Samaritans. See, Samaritans and Jews believed uh, slightly differently, they, uh, which uh, is, is one of the reasons they, they hated each other. They believed differently. They, they, they had different interpretations of the Bible. The, the Samaritans believed in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, but the, the Samaritan, I'm sorry, but the Jews believed in the Tanakh, which was the entire Old Testament, all 39 books of the Bible. Jews and Samaritans disagreed on some things, but what they could agree on was Jacob. Therefore, uh, Jesus goes to Jacob's well. Why? Get this, because it was a place of common ground. It was a place of common ground. If, if we want our churches to live out Revelation 7-9, if we want our churches to, to live out this concept of on earth as it is in heaven, if we want our churches to be absurd, uh, the local church must be a place of common ground. Question, is your local church a place of common ground or is your church a dividing wall? Is your church a place of common ground, or is your church uh, creating um, a division even more in this world? Now, Corey said I could step on some toes. Do y'all have flip-flops on? I need to know if I can step on your toes a little bit. If white people are more comfortable in your church than Korean people, it is not a place of common ground. If Republicans feel more comfortable in your church than Democrats do, it's not a place of common ground. If, if wealthy people feel more comfortable in your church than, than non-wealthy people do, it is not a place of common ground. If, if, if uh, monoracial couples feel more comfortable in your church than interracial couples do, it's not a place of common ground. We could do this all day. Y'all want to keep going a little longer? Uh, pastors, if, 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 you, if you only quote conservative theologians, then your church is not a place of common ground. If, if citizens feel more comfortable in your churches than asylum seekers and, 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 and refugees, then your church is not a place of common ground. And, and by the way, the only way you can know this is by asking someone, right? You know, some of you are saying to yourself, you know what, Koreans like to be in my church. Are you Korean? No, well then you don't know. You need to ask somebody, right? Well, we don't have any Koreans in my church. Well, maybe you just answered your own question, right? Jacob's well was a place of common ground. It was a safe place. It was a, it was a place of, of inclusion. 
Okay, let's get back to the text. Jesus is at Jacob's well, and he, he sees this Samaritan woman, and guess what? Uh, Jesus doesn't just share a location with this lady. He doesn't just say, okay, we're in the same building, and so I'm diverse, right? In fact, let me take this selfie and try to get her in it so that I can show my friends that I'm diverse, right? No, he didn't do that. The text tells us that he engages with her. Think about that. He, he doesn't just share a room with her. He engages with her. He, he talks to her. He, he builds a relationship with her. Turn, look, look at verse 7. Let's read it. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus says to her, because his, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Verse 9 says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is breaking down the status quo. Jesus is creating a place here of common ground. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 says, Jesus answers her, uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Verse 11 says, sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. So where do you get this living water from? Verse 12 says, excuse me, sorry. You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself and and did his sons uh, and, and, and so did his sons and livestock. And Jesus responds, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said, give me this water so that I may, I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Listen, if we want uh, our local churches to live out this Revelation 7-9, if, if we want our churches to live out this idea of on earth uh, as, as it is in heaven, uh, the local church must be gospel reconcilers. The church must be uh, gospel reconcilers. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a lot of things. The gospel is love, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The the gospel is not just love, it's holiness. We're called to, to be holy. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we could be made holy in him, right? The gospel is, is grace. Uh, we are saved uh, by grace, right? Uh, uh, The gospel is truth, but one of the truths that is often missing from our gospel explanation is reconciliation. A gospel that excludes reconciliation, whether it's vertical or horizontal, is a gospel that excludes why Jesus came. Emily uh, yesterday beautifully read to us uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. I want to read it again just because it's it's that beautiful. And you can read it twice, right? Um, Starting at verse 14, here's what it says. For he is our peace. He is Jesus, right? Who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In the flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations. Why? So that he might create in himself um, kainos anthropon. That's in the Greek, but in the English it's one new creation from the two, 
resulting in peace. Why? He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. My friends, that is the gospel of reconciliation. Our churches should not be dividers. Our churches should be uniters. Our, our, our churches should not divide us. Our churches should be actively producing unity in our communities. You do realize that our country and our world is more divided than it's ever been before, right? It's, it's, if not just as divided as it's, it's ever been before. Studies show that uh, people aren't becoming less racist or less prejudiced. The reality is people are learning how to hide their racism and their prejudice. But, but, but when people come in contact with what I believe to be the true gospel, when, when people come in contact with the, the true historical Jesus, not the, the Norwegian Jesus, right? When, when people come in contact with the, the true Jesus Christ, and when, and, and when people come in contact with a healthy, diverse local church, they begin to change. Things begin to happen, right? Transformation begins to occur. Two become one. Walls uh, are torn down. Lives are, are transformed. Hostility uh, should turn into hospitality. The church, the baby is with us today. The baby is talking back. Like, if y'all not going to say nothing, I'm going to say something. I don't even speak English, right? The local church should be gospel reconcilers. But listen, in order for that to happen, the local church must be willing to get a little messy. The local church must be willing to get uh, a little dirty. Let's read verse 16, because Jesus is about to get loose with it, Okay. Jesus says to her, go call your husband. Uh-oh, right? Go call your husband and come back here. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you ain't lying. He says, you have, you have, you, you have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus says. Uh, For you have five husbands, and the man that you are with now is not your husband. So what you are saying is true. Um, the reality is when you create uh, these, these environments, when you create opportunities for di diverse people to engage with each other, it will get messy. It will get, um, it will get uncomfortable. It will get, uh, it, it will get messy, right? Things will happen. Um, issues will, will occur. And, and uh, well, well, they speak in tongues and don't have a translator, so that makes me uncomfortable, right? Or um, they, uh, they, 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 they use their, um, what do you call it, their... Uh, their tambourine, which I love. We, we need more of that. Or, or they like to dance during service, and I, that makes me a little uncomfortable, right? Or um, they, they like to shout a little bit and, and move, and that, that, that makes me a little uncomfortable, right? Or, 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 or he's undocumented, Pastor. Or, or um, um, I don't know if I can, uh, she's a refugee. I don't know if I can engage with, with a, a refugee. That makes me uncomfortable. Or, or maybe a 4th of July weekend, it's 4th of July weekend, and you realize that not everyone in your church is pa patriotic, right? Maybe it's 4th of July weekend, and you realize not everyone in your church thinks that America is a place, uh, is a place of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Verse 19 goes on to say, Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. In other words, if you know all that about me and my five husbands, you got to be, you somebody special, right? Uh, I see that you are a prophet. Your, your fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that he, that the place to worship 
is in Jerusalem. How much time do I have? All right. This is what, this is what happens. The Samaritan woman is trying to, trying to hit Jesus with a little kingdom talk here. She's trying, to, she's trying to switch the topic. He was talking about her five husbands. She's like, uh, let's talk about something else, right? So she changes the conversation. She begins this kingdom talk. She says, my, my, my heritage taught me uh, to, to worship in the kingdom, kingdom of Gerzim. This was where the, the, um, the, the Gentiles worshipped at. This, this is where they, the Samaritan's temple was located. And then she said, and your heritage taught you, just like your heritage taught you to, to worship at the, the, the kingdom of Jerusalem, where the, the Jerusalem, where the Jews would worship at. Uh, and then verse 23 says something beautiful. Jesus says this in verse 23. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants uh, such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying to her, sweetie, you're focused on the wrong kingdom. You're you're focused on the wrong kingdom. The the kingdom that matters is not the kingdom of of Gerzim or, or the kingdom of Jerusalem. The kingdom that matters is my Father's kingdom. which is a diverse kingdom. If we want our churches to live out this Revelation 7-9, right? If, if we want our churches to, to live out this concept of on earth as it is in heaven, last but not least, the local church must be kingdom-minded. The church must be uh, kingdom-minded. As the worship team prepares to come, we have to understand this. Uh, we, we, we prayed this prayer earlier today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you been guilty of saying this prayer nonchalantly? Have you been guilty of, of, of saying this prayer haphazardly? Have you been guilty of of saying this prayer casually and and lackadaisically? If you have, today I want to invite you to reflect on what has been said today. Repent of your sin and receive thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stand to your feet with me. We began this session by praying the Lord's Prayer together. And it's only fitting that we end this session by praying the Lord's Prayer together. But listen, don't just say it because you know it, right? Don't just say it like, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Which, there's nothing wrong with that prayer, right? But... Say it like you mean it. Think about the words you say as you say it. And don't just recite it with your mouth. Let it resound in your heart. Okay? Are y'all with me? Let's pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.